Floor Sundays with Mike Meechow. We're at Floored Media. Thank you, Jay, for having us. So, every week we have special guests. This week tops it off. We have my great friend, Colleen, here. Hi, Colleen. Hi, Mike. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. So, you are an Advent listener to Sober Sundays. So, how do you feel about coming in? I feel great about coming in. It makes my day on Sunday morning watching it. I really, really get a lot out of it, and it's just amazing. Okay, so why do you think you're... Well, we're the lucky ones to have you here, first off. But why do you think you're chosen to, to be here today with us? Actually, I'm lucky to know you, because that's how my journey started. Even before the journey started... I knew you. We had some journeys together. We did have journeys <laughs> together. So when my journey of addiction and alcoholism ended, I knew who to call. You were the first person that I thought of to call. And I've had many, many bottoms in the past. And that last bottom on May 20th, 2011 was the all-time bottom. Okay. So some some people, right, they maybe like not the best uh life's growing up maybe single single parents maybe not great parents your story a little different my story is different my mom was a registered nurse and my dad was a new york city homicide narcotics detective um growing up was great normal childhood i have uh, five four siblings i'm the youngest girl out of the five, and then my brother. Um, you know, we all had great opportunities. My opportunities were smashed by alcoholism and drug addiction. So I can't blame them. I can't blame... I never even looked at trying to figure out, like, where to place the blame. I just didn't know what was wrong with me. I wanted to figure out what was wrong with me and how I fix it. Not knowing that it's not an instant gratification fix. It's not... You fix it one time and you're you're cured. You're good. Did you ever regret maybe what while you were growing up or in the mix of your addiction? Why you? No, because I always felt like the black sheep and I was just like, it is what it is. Even back then. I mean, I just did things that my siblings did not do. I did things that my mother and father did not teach me how to do. So despite maybe good influences at home, your brothers, sisters parents you go a different way completely different way completely so tell tell us a little bit when when things started to turn to get you know bad right so i started drinking young long beach under the boardwalk um i was a long beach lifeguard different things like that the environment peer pressure influence going along with it and i'm I really think by like the age of 17, I knew I had a problem and I just, uh, I knew it in my head, but I didn't feel it in my heart. So I just continued to do it. Uh, my 21st birthday, my father was bringing me up to Veritas Villa thinking he's going to save me. And uh, there was a lot of rehabs. There was a lot of detoxes, a lot of out of town, not local because I would break out of them and come home and just show up and, you know, be insulted that no one wanted me around. It's like, how dare you? So now looking back on it, uh, 
I laugh when I say, you know, when I'm talking or when I'm sharing and I say, imagine I was insulted. That's, <laughs> they didn't want me. Was there, is there like shame or was there shame and guilt and embarrassment of oh my God. where addiction always was taken? Always shame, you? guilt, always embarrassment. I mean, my sister's a nurse, my other two sisters teachers, my brother a fireman, and here I am trying to hold down a job. I mean, that was not like rocket scientists. I couldn't even hold down a job. And then I decided that it'd be a great idea to start adding children into the mix. Okay, so a couple of rehabs. Any, what did you get from those? Nothing, a break, I somewhere to sleep, somewhere to eat, no one to nag me, like my parents, and never even really thinking that this was gonna be like a long-term thing. I just would go there to regroup, I guess. Not, not even regroup, not even to learn about my, I just went to shut people up. And how long would you last when, after you came back? Not very long. Um, was there, was there, would you second guess yourself for going back to drinking or using? No, I knew I was going back. I didn't, I wasn't there for me. I was never there for me. Even the last time it was not for me. And something happened the last time, unlike the other times. All right. So let's, let's talk about that. So now you have a child or children. I have one child, Kayla, and things are going good. It's me and her. We're a team. And then all of a sudden I find out there's someone else coming on to the team. <laughs> and, uh, I was 40. I, it was just, it was so, so horrific. Um, even that wasn't planned. I never planned things like there was no wedding. There was no wedding dress. There was no discussion. Let's have a kid. It was just like, Oh, all right. I guess I am. Here we go. But they turned out to be the biggest gifts and blessings in my life ever. So they were the reason you got sober? They were my main motivator. When I got sober, May 20th, 2011, I didn't wake up and say, today's a good day to get sober. Yeah, Let's tell do us this. what happened. We want to hear this. I put Kayla on the bus to go to school, and I was with Joseph going to do illegal things. He was three years old, and I was on the Long Island Railroad, and I felt this guy sitting across from me, and I just knew it was weird, but I'm on a mission to do what I have to do. And then I get off the train and I see he gets off and I'm like, does this guy think I'm a dummy? But it didn't stop me from continuing to do what I was going to do. So I go, I try to, you know, detour him, get away from him. I do what I have to do. I get back on the train and he's on the train and anyone would be like, okay, this is probably like a cop. Maybe this isn't a good idea, but I was already in and doing it get back to Long Beach and I go to fill a prescription and I lose them. I went in one side of Wallbaums and came out the other side. It was Wallbaums at the time. I lose them and I'm like, all right, great, I lost them. I get home to my apartment and I'm bending down in the carriage. Joseph is in the carriage still, I'm bending down because I had to go get you know, Pepsi and some grapes to make it look like I was going in there to food shop. So I'm bending down to get the things out. And as I'm coming up, I see gold, like glittering. And I look and I'm like, oh, it was a shield, someone's shield. I look the other way and there's another one. I'm like, this is not good. I turn and I say, because it's someone I grew up with. 
And I say, hey, what are you doing here? <laughs> and he was like, go in your house and sit in, sit in the, on the living room floor and do not move. I'm like, what about Joe? Another detective says, don't worry, I got him. I grew up with him too. And still in my mind, my alcoholism and drug addiction was trying to convince me that I was still good, that nothing was going to happen to me. So they go in, they raid my house, and I'm like, there's nothing here. This is great. Um, I'm free and clear. Two minutes later, I'm in handcuffs. They're going down to Long Beach Rec looking for my father in the steam room to come and take my son. Um, My father was only in my apartment. This is where the shame and the guilt and everything comes in. He was in my apartment the first day I moved in to make sure that it was safe Mm -hmm. for me and my kids and never was to return again. I never invited family members back. I never had them over. My kids were invited to holidays. I was not. And, you know, I was okay with that because as long as you included them, I was good. You didn't have to have me. So I get arrested and I'm looking at doing a lot of time and I'm like, this is really bad, but still not thinking. Maybe I'll get sober. That wasn't even a thought. I was just like, how am I getting out of this? So I spend the night in jail and it was the day before my daughter's communion. So that was another, you know, another kicker, like, come on, you got to get it together enough already. But still, I wasn't quite convinced that I was going to be able to do it. So I call someone in the neighborhood and I tell them what had happened because they were in the Herald the week before me. And he says, this is what you asked them for. So I tell my father, I'm going to ask for Nassau County Felony Treatment Program. He looks at me like, you are never going to be able to do that. He's like, just go start your time. And when you get out, everything will be okay. I said, are you out of your mind? Kayla will be 18. Not even thinking about Joe because it was always me and Kayla until Joe came around. And uh, a lot of shame and guilt um, with Joseph because I didn't have a bond with him. So when I did get sober, he was three. And each year that I remained sober, I feel like, you know, that was the age that he's at. Like he was brand new. And that was brought to my attention by Kayla. She said, everything he does, you think is like the greatest thing. It was all the things that I always missed. So what happened? You got, what was your sentence? They told me if I didn't complete Nassau County felony treatment, three and a half to seven or three to nine. And I was like, I'm not even one day Nassau County correctional (laughs) facility. I'm like, no way. So I tell my father, I think this is what I want to do. He says, absolutely not. You're not going to be able to. So I go in front of, you have to be accepted into it. That I thought was crazy too. It was my first defense. Well, I, like, again, insulted, like, you should take me. I want to do this. <laughs> let me do this. So they let me do it. And um, I was nervous in the beginning. And you know what? He, the judge said, you could go into rehab for 30 days. And I said, 30 days, what is 30 days going to do? And I already had got arrested, been evicted and lost my kids all in five minutes. I've never seen anything like it ever. They handed me the papers that I lost my children. I was like, hold up, wait a minute. Like I was thinking I was going to get out of it just like everything else my dad got me out of. 
So I say, I'll do, I said to the judge, I can't do 30 days. I, I need to go away. I'm like, 30 days? Like, there's, the cobwebs aren't even clear. And then, what, 30 days, I'm going to come out, do the same thing. Either get in more trouble, and I'll never get the kids back. So what'd you do? I asked if I could go to um, a long-term. Samaritan Village? Samaritan Village, up in Ellenville. I thought that was far enough away that I wouldn't look to come back. And now it was a different ball game than when I was just, it was just me. Now I had two kids. I knew if I didn't do A, B, C, and D that I was never going to get them back. So I was willing to do A, B, C, and D. And what, what was your experience like up there? I loved it up there because I still was not, and it's crazy, it didn't, hit me until I was there about six months. I stayed there nine months and it didn't hit me till I was there six months that this is really bad, Colleen. You might not, even after doing all this, you might not get those kids back. Maybe my sisters were going to keep those kids and be like, nah, you're full of it. We've heard this so many times. Like I would always say sorry. And my father would say, with sorry, there has to be an action. You can't just keep saying sorry. Okay, so you come, you come back nine months. Nine months and... Still willing to... Still willing, not really wanting, but doing it because I want those kids back, not because I wanted recovery or sobriety. I wanted my children back and... That's a good motivation, though. Good motivation in the beginning. So six months, I'm up there, nine months I come back, and they tell me... Uh, in order to get them back, you have to be an outpatient and you have to have an apartment. So that was another news flash to me too. I get out and I'm looking for an apartment. Now I have one month to get an apartment in order to get my kids back and I don't lose my Section 8 housing voucher. I go, I look at apartments. My father gives them, of course, the first month's rent, first month's security, pays for everything and two days later they call and say my aunt from Alabama decided to move in or my cousin from like Alaska and I said I wonder why they don't why why does this keep happening so one of my family members say to me you know if you google your name it's not really good again insulted like who googles people I said <laughs> and they said when people are going to rent their home to you they like to know who you are, and when you come up, it's not that great. So I said, oh, all right, let me go home and try that. I did, and I was horrified. I could not believe, and I keep that picture on my phone because I just couldn't believe I wouldn't rent to her either. <laughs> I didn't care who your father was. You're not coming in here. So I get, um, I get the outpatient. I'm doing outpatient. I'm there for a year, my second time there. Love the place. Mm -hmm. Did a lot for me. You can say what place it is. It's Long okay. Beach Reach. First time I went was just to keep people quiet. This time was totally different. So again, this time you're willing. I'm willing, but not, not really willing to do the recovery thing. Just willing to get those kids back. And part of doing that was to follow the instructions. If they told me stand on my head for 12 hours, I would have. And I would have got them back. Do you think you got more out of like the treatments and, and being in Samaritan Village because you wanted this? I do think so, yes. And my CPS worker, who I'm still friends with, and the supervisor, I remember when I had Joseph, 
the supervisor came into the hospital room and she said, you miss need to get yourself into treatment or we're taking your kids. And I was like, oh, what, Kayla? I was like, no, you're not. Because I was so out of it, I didn't even get to see Joe yet. And she came right in. But when she came in, I'm looking around. I'm the only one in the room. There's no one else she's talking to. And I'm like, this is really bad. All right, so, so I was warned three years prior to this this bottom. What this recovery or th- that you keep talking about, when when did you start to want it? When I went into family court at a year sober and I asked to get my kids back and they told me no. They said no. My sisters were crying and they said, you're not upset. I said, and it finally clicked. I said, she must see something in me that I don't, that I'm not ready. And that's when I started to take a look at, well, what could it be? And I knew, and I had to be honest, if I, if I had them back then, I was used to, you know, going to outpatient, going to meetings. It was just me. I was having visits with them. That was great. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't the best thing, but it was great that I was, I was able to see them. I was so grateful for that, to have the opportunity. Some people don't. They didn't go into foster care. They went with my family. That's another thing. For the last 12 years, I wake up and I say, I'm so grateful for my family daily because the, relation, the relationships that we've had since May 20th, 2011 is the best relationships I've ever had with them. So can you, can you tell us what was it like getting starting with, with the recovery process, with meetings, maybe meeting other women, other mothers, maybe who've gone through similar? So when I first, when you came to clear out my apartment on Georgia and I was trying to save things that shouldn't have been saved, like you were like, nope, that's going, that, that's getting on the curb. And I'm like, then I said, you know what? This might be a fresh thought for me. And I remember you saying to me, Colleen, you gotta, because I was like, how does he do it? I mean, we were running around the whale's tails. I'm like, <laughs> till like seven in the morning, never closing it. And I said, you said to me, you gotta do the steps, you gotta do the work, and do not keep secrets. You're as sick as your secrets. And I remembered those things. Not knowing if I was gonna stay around or stick it out, not really sure. My whole family thought once the felony treatment, the 18 months was over, I got my kids back, I would go back to doing what I was doing. But something I knew in here that I couldn't, and I felt it in here, so that was the difference for me. I always knew I shouldn't be doing it, but to feel it inside, like you're sick to your soul, just thinking about my my past and what I thought was like good. It wasn't good at all. So just a couple, relationships now right tell us about the relationship with the women that that you surround yourself with today i surround myself with a lot of women that are also single moms i'm a single mom i surround myself because it's not like a club right no not at all (laughs) no it's my little beach crew and my little meeting crew and we're good we let other people in though (laughs) we we share the knowledge and i just feel like i watched other women in the program on how to be a mom, how to be a woman in sobriety. I, I didn't know any of that. I didn't, I didn't even know who I was, what I liked. And here I have two. My Kayla was nine and Joe was three when I got sober. 
comf- right. comfortable, supportive, best friends that a person could have better than relationships that you had before you got sober? Absolutely, because the relationships before I got sober was just what you could give me. Very um, take, 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 no giving. Now it's completely different. Okay, now next relationship. God, higher power. Absolutely. There is no way, and I say it all the time, am I steering the ship? You know what? I don't want to be the captain on the boat. I want to be on that boat, but I don't want to be the captain. It's a nice boat. It is. It's almost the yacht in my eyes. Um, How important is that relationship? So important. I went to 11 years of Catholic school. 11th grade was kindly asked not to come back. Again, insulted, like how (laughs) dare they? My parents are paying for this. Just let me go and sit there. But you know what? I'm forced to go to church, um, all that. And I just, I never, it didn't apply. You know, it just didn't apply. I didn't wanted to apply. I didn't think I needed it. May 20th, 2011, when I was saying that foxhole prayer, walking from my living room to the kid's bedroom to my room after I got arrested, saying, please, God, do not let me drink tonight or use any substance. If I do, I really believed I was going to die if I did because I was just so broken. How about the relationships with your family? Brother, sisters. Oh, my God, amazing. It's, cra- it's just, it's crazy. We go on family vacations. You're invited. Always invited. <laughs> I mean, we're on a family group chat that goes off all day long. I mean, my brother would see me walking down Beach Street with Joe in the carriage, and I would see him whip a turn so that he, d- he just didn't want to see it. It was something, you know, you don't want to see your older sister. Walking with it, and here I thought nothing was wrong with it. People telling, you know, my family, she wheels a bit. Two people in the rooms right now, their their famous story that they tell about me is I would roll a propane garbage, a propane barbecue into Georgia Park with beach chairs and red cups and just set up shop <laughs> like it was my backyard. And people would be in there looking like, oh my God. And I just didn't care. I mean, not that I didn't care, I just, I don't know if I didn't know better or I was just so alcoholism, drug addiction. <laughs> so now the relationships with your two, your two children. Oh my God, amazing. What's that like today? Amazing. It's a little rough. Kayla's dad passed away when she was one. Um, Joe's father has never been in the picture. He, it's When I had a year sober, he ended that relationship. It just wasn't healthy and... It wasn't gonna do anything for Joseph. He's sick and suffering. I pray for him Mm -hmm. all the time. I don't say bad things about him to Joe because he's sick, because he's no different than I am, other than I have now some days under my belt. Um, My daughter, I mean, if you would have told me, you know, 12 years ago that she'd be in college, the Ivy League of the Sunnis, I'd be like, you're out of your mind. I always thought that I didn't even think about it because it just wasn't a reality to me. And it wasn't even a dream or a goal. This kid's got more dreams and goals than I've ever had. Um, Joe is just Joe. He's amazing. Like little love 15, you know, we're so tight. We're so close, the three of us. So how does a single mother juggle all this stuff? Work, 
your, your kids. I, I believe your son plays travel hockey, which is quite Thanks expensive and, and time Patrick. consuming. <laughs> <laughs> and he's number 15 because of Patrick. <laughs> um, how I do it. You know what? My son said to me in second grade, he wanted his name changed. And I was like, oh, how am I going to do that? And it wasn't my idea. It was his idea. And he says, mom, you do everything that you say you're going to do now. And that proved to me that, you know what, they could trust me now. Kayla, I mean, there was resentments, there was anger. That's no longer there. I mean, we're on a good path. She knows, you know, she knows alcoholism. She knows drug addiction. She knows everyone in my life, you know, all my sober friends. So there is none of that, which makes it a lot easier. But those are things that I, I keep green because... If I start forgetting those things, I'm doomed to repeat it. Do you think your experience, can you pass that off to, uh, to other people in, the, in your programs? Absolutely. Women and, you know, not just women, but. Absolutely. Um, I don't, I'll be honest, I don't do a lot of service because my life is so busy, but service in where, you know, speaking commitments, taking commitments. But every time you share at a meeting is doing service. Every time I share with another woman, every time I hear a speaker and I go up and I thank them and how I can relate, it doesn't mean, it doesn't matter if it's a man or a woman. You know, I get up um, early in the morning. I uh, What time? I get up 5.30. Today I got up at 5.30. I was out the door at 6.15. Besides my children, I take care of other people's children. They trust me to put their kids on the bus. So I do that in the morning and then I go to my full-time job. And then I, in between my full-time job, I might clean a house or two for extra hockey money. Then I come home and it's either hockey, golf, crew, whatever sport it is. And by the end of the night, when I lay my head on the pillow, I feel good because you know what? I was able to help somebody else out. I started watching this boy in the morning as a favor. I, I wasn't looking to do it long term and we developed a relationship and I've stayed with him now and I never complain anymore. I used to complain until it was brought to my attention that I get to do all these things today. Oh yeah. So you consider, I mean, I would this to be like some kind of miracle that's happened. Absolutely. The best gift that ever happened. I, this is nothing that I ever wanted. And now looking back, it, like I thought May 20th was the worst day in my life. It was the best day in my life. The best day. And you went to school to become a counselor as well. I did because I said, what am I going to do? I either have to get a job and I'm like, I really didn't want to do that yet because I was comfortable doing, you know, meetings and hanging out with my kids and not being a grown up. Or go to school. So you told me about Outreach Institute, and I went, and uh, I completed it. Of course, everyone laughs, and my father always said, you're great at everything you do. You, you put everything into it, and you don't stop, especially when you're sober. And he said, you know, you were always like that growing up, but you just never completed anything. Today, I complete things. That's right. My dad passed away... Uh, I had three years sober and I went to make amends to him in Florida and he made amends to me. And it was, he said, this has been the best three years of his life. What a present, right? Yeah. 
So what what else is in store for Colleen for the future? What else? What else is in store? I keep going one day at a time. And as long as I don't pick up and I don't drink and I don't use any substances, a million doors open up. Just last question. All these important things, whether it's your relationships with your family, work, taking care of your kids, recovery, what's, if you had to choose, I'm not asking you to choose, but like, is there a priority? Is, is the my recovery has to is come my first? sobriety. Because if I don't have that, I don't have anything else. If I'm not sober, I don't have all the gifts that I have. I will lose them quickly. For me, I know, and I used to think people were so dramatic saying to drink is to die. No, to drink is to die. To use is to die. Not only did, you know, Kayla, she's, she's 20 years old now. She said, if you do, I'm out of here. You know, she's so used to the life that we have now. So is Joseph. That, that too, when I say, you know, they were my main motivator, they're still a motivator to me. That day that they came to the house, looking back, did you, could you ever think that this is how it would end? No. Could it have ended any better? No. Every year I text the two detectives that arrest me and I thank them. And they write back the nicest things. And I have relationships with them. You know, I have relationships with the judges in town. I have, I have relationships now that I never thought I would because I always walk with my head down and always felt like a disgrace, not married, two kids, just everything. You know, the Herald, how, how'd you do that to your father? People used to say, and my father used to say, it's not her, there, there's something wrong with her. <laughs> but today a woman who works, walks with purpose, grace and dignity. Mm -hmm. Start off my day on Zoom. I know a lot of people aren't big fans, but you know what? When you're trying to get a 15, 16 year old up for school, Zoom is the place for me in the morning. You're plugging in. I'm plugging in and then at night I go and on the weekends and I'm always in contact. Sober vacations with people, family vacations. I mean, vacations, I never left the West End. I'm like, <laughs> I've been all over and it's not, I always say in my shares, it's not the material things. It's, it's not that, that, that blows me away. It's sitting on Zoom and be able to look at myself for a half an hour, to look at myself in the little box and not be disgusted. Internal peace? Absolutely, my insides and my outsides match finally. Wow, all right, and we'll close up with, if, if there's any women out there who, who would reach out or call, you would? Absolutely. Be willing? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So if anybody's looking for help, you could contact Colleen. That would be great. Or you can hit us up at SoberSundayPodcast.com. And that's it for today. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mike. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.